Welcome to the Ralph Moore Podcast. Gain a leadership advantage as Ralph pulls wisdom from his bag of over 50 years experience in planting and leading multiplying churches. Our goal is to help you live as a leader you'd want to follow. You'll learn about making disciples and planting churches, but beyond that, you'll gain practical wisdom about subjects like how to manage your team, handling difficult people, pulling a congregation off a growth plateau, and even money management. Hi, and welcome to the podcast. Today, I'm interviewing Steve Pike, who is the leader of something called Urban Islands Project. And he's located in Denver, but they actually have 17 cities that they're working on. Uh, They have, uh, since 2016, launched 39 plus churches. I think the plus means uh, they're spreading their wings a little further than, than we would imagine. I'm really excited about this because there's not enough being done in urban areas uh, there's huge potential there. There's so many different people groups represented. Uh, Steve, just welcome to the podcast. How are you? I am. I'm cold. <laughs> it's, uh, we're having a one of those um, Canadian air masses has invaded Colorado, and wow. it is really cold. Yeah, it's it's been cold. How for about you? Here, it's whatever is moving across the country. We had it a couple of days ago. We had hail which we seldom ever get and uh they're actually warning of frost i have a lot of a lot of plants that are sort of marginal in san diego and grow well in hawaii and so you know a little bit nervous yeah well yeah it's all relative because you know i I know people in minnesota probably think we we here in colorado are a bunch of wimps because we're complaining about you know, zero degree weather and down there, I mean, zero degree probably <laughs> would be the end of the world or something. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Share with us a little bit Thank you. about your, your vision um, and then your, your history, a little where you came from, how yeah. you got into this, and then give us some strategic stuff, perhaps some tactics, some things that you guys are doing. I'll, I'll try to be concise up front and then you can dig into what you care about. So um, I think the a good place to start is by uh, just, just giving some context. My background is um, I was a pastor, a staff pastor at three different churches. And the last church was kind of a mega church, big, big church. And, and uh, uh, so I had the experience of sort of quote unquote, regular sized churches, some big churches, and but all of them were very conventional. And then God called my wife and I to start a church in Utah, um, which was not that that surprised us. It came out of nowhere. We we uh, did sort of a parachute drop. Now it's been over 30 years ago, uh, 1990, we, we went to Utah, started a church from scratch uh, in a place where very few people are looking for a church. They think they've got a church they're happy with. And so it was definitely a challenging place. But what I realized uh, in retrospect, probably what we learned some principles that have helped us, they're universally apply everywhere, you know, starting a church in a place where nobody's looking for a church. Well, that, that, (laughs) that's a lot of places nowadays. And, um, and so we, um, we learned a lot there, and while we were there, um, actually came over and spent some time with you guys in Hawaii because we were trying to figure out how to just really help the church be more embedded into everyday life and stuff. And 
We learned so much from you guys and uh, helped our church become uh, just better at being a church that's that's serving the community well. And uh, but but that led to me uh, being asked by our denomination to consider giving full time uh, attention to starting churches all over the states of Colorado and Utah, which are actually quite diverse. Uh, you have quite a uh, different demographic across the spread. So um, I did that for six years, helped uh, other people starting churches. So I took more of a coaching, consulting, mentoring kind of a role in the area of church planning. Uh, and, um, and and oh yeah, by the way, the church that we started in, in Utah, we, we started some churches out of that, uh, which is, it, it dwarfs in comparison to what you guys have done. But But we did figure out that the best way to kind of reach beyond uh, just one congregation is to start other congregations and multiply. So we successfully did that. And that became kind of embedded in my thinking as I helped other people uh, in Colorado and Utah. And then I was asked to be the national leader for the denomination. Uh, and I did that for eight and a half years. And uh, we were we were helping facilitate the startup of 400 churches or so a year, uh, three to 400 a year in all across the United States. And so you have this volume of knowledge and information flowing at you when you're in that kind of a uh, position. And um, what I started to see was that um, the urban centers were, were sort of the last place people were going, places people were going. And, and when they went there, if they were guided by the prevailing church planning models at the time, uh, it, it didn't usually go well. Uh, it, it, the, I realized that the prevailing models of church planning were, were not well suited for the urban environment. But I and I had some ideas about why, but but I uh, I wasn't sure. And my first reaction was, well, I'm I'm the leader of a national organization that's starting, you know, three to four hundred churches a year. Um, I should be able just to stand up and say, hey, let's go to the cities and and figure it out. And kind of kind of the response was kind of crickets uh, uh, that that I realized wow this is going to be tougher than I thought and during that time frame I felt like the Lord spoke to me and my wife that it was time for us to move uh, just to give our attention to the urban core uh, of cities and so we moved into the urban core of the city yeah yeah there's there's something that um, seems to be a common thread where people are really uh, it, seeing effectiveness. And it is that we would approach the world that we are approaching as with from a missionary mindset. You know, when we, when we go in, we, we got a model, we're going to superimpose that model on everybody. Uh, we're going to look at the biggest churches in America, figure out what they did and then try to duplicate it. But the people who are having success, whether it's in India or in Asia or in in rural areas in America, I was with some people doing very small churches, very actually very large churches in very small towns. It's always that we approach it from the standpoint of here's Jesus' story and what's your story? Because we want to wed the two rather than to go, what's my story? It's not about me. It's not about my church or my plans. It's about those people connecting to Jesus and his life. Uh, Expand on it just a little bit from your thinking. Yeah. Well, that, I think that's one of the principles that we learned in Utah was, you know, we went there, of course, when we went there in 1990, 
there weren't there wasn't exponential there were there weren't all these these things that were available to help you learn how to plant a church and so we had to just do a lot out of praying and fasting and and scratching and scraping and what we realized was what i implied earlier was there nobody's looking for a church here and you can you can sort of think of that the way that i you know the story is told about the shoe salesman that land in a place and one of them writes back and says man we can't sell any shoes here because nobody wears shoes and the other guy writes back man nobody wears shoes we can sell shoes to everybody and we decided to have that attitude but um, we realized, you know, uh, that in order to help people that are that are members of the Mormon Church, which is the majority of the population of Utah, we want to help them find Jesus, find the biblical Jesus. Um, man, we've we've got to we've got to do life with it. We do have to approach this with a missionary mindset, and and not just reproduce some expression of church that we're comfortable with, but rather start to form relationships, build connectivity with them. And, and so we saw that over the course, you know, at first we did go in with sort of this conquering mentality of, you know, the Mormon church is wrong. It's a cult, all this kind of idea. And, and when you approach people where the first thing they feel from you is, you're wrong. Um, they feel rejected. That's not a great way <laughs> to, to help people find Jesus. And so we, we we quickly realized where we were seeing fruit was through just the friendships with our neighbors and people that we had stuff in common with, having conversations that started with, you know, what's going on in the neighborhood wasn't even spirit. They weren't even spiritual conversations. They were just conversations about everyday life. And uh, those would gradually bleed over into conversations about spiritual things. And that would bleed over eventually into talking about, you know, what it means to follow Jesus. And, and, and then people would, would you know, it, after a while, the church that we started, when we gathered, there were probably 25 to 30, or I, I'd say 25% of the congregation that was gathered were active people that were active in the Mormon church at the same time they were coming to our church because they felt welcome and embraced. And it was a place where they felt like they could learn more about Jesus. And, um, and when that happened, we felt like, man, we're just hitting the nail on the head here. That's, that's what we need to be doing. Uh, and so, yes, yes. An observation. Some people would accuse you of syncretism. You know, they got one foot, <laughs> one foot, in, in 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 the gospel and one foot back in the Mormon church, I yeah. think that's a necessary crossing pattern that yeah. th that if we're going to go reach people in the pool hall who may be dealing, uh, we, we've got to take them uh, as they are. You know, one, one of the little right. slogans that we always had in, in Hope Chapel was, uh, we promise to love you as is. It put it on us yeah. to love them rather than them to yeah. come to us. And to take them the way they are, and then you know, I don't believe that uh, sanctification is is a work of the church. I, I believe it's a work of the right. Holy Spirit. And when I make it mine, then everything's all about me. Yeah. And uh, right. yeah, so you kind of just gotta. Again, this is part of this this missionary missionary mindset. Yeah. Uh, I find in some yeah. countries where I go, uh, even in Asia, there's this this we're going to superimpose more our morality on you. We need to back off right. a little bit and let the Holy Spirit do his thing in his time. We actually do. We have to trust the Holy Spirit's work in somebody's life. And one of the things 
that we learned working with Mormon folks is that um, it was a process often for them. It wasn't necessarily, you know, there may have been a few, I, I actually don't remember anybody who just went from, you know, fully embracing Mormonism to, you know, rejecting Mormonism, which is, we realize that's not even what we, that's not what we're trying to get people to do is reject something as much as embrace Jesus. You know, we figured when they embrace Jesus, then he's going to help them work out the stuff they need to let go of. And that's not our job to tell them what that is. And man, that just frees you up when you, when you realize that. So, you know, one of the things that happened was uh, that illustrates what I'm talking about is we had a guy who showed up at our church and actually he had gone to another church uh, his first step had had been he was a he was actually an elder a leader I forget his title but he was one of the main leaders in the Mormon Church and decided to to that he was going to his job or his mission was going to be to go to this Christian church and demonstrate to them that they were all wrong so he showed up to this Christian church with you know this mentality of I'm here to fix you guys. And he started listening to what they were saying, and it created a crisis of faith for him. So he went to his leaders and he said, hey, what do we believe about this? And they weren't giving him great answers. And so he ended up, I, I don't remember why he didn't continue his journey at the other church, but he ended up at our church because we had become, I think, known in the community as a place that was safe for people to come that were thinking about stuff uh, that, that weren't just, uh, you know, fully subscribing to everything Mormonism. And so he came there and, um, you know, he said, I am, I'm just wanting to learn everything I can about Jesus. And so, you know, we took him at his word. We were, I wasn't sure, but over, so it took five years from the point that he first showed up at the church until he was at a place where he, um, you know, he said, Hey, I'm following Jesus. In fact, I feel like I'm called to be an apostle or to be somebody to reach my people, sort of that same thing that Paul talks about in, in Romans, where, you know, he's called to reach his people, the Jewish people. He said, I feel that same calling on me to reach Mormon people. And we decided, we said, hey, why don't you become a member of our, our leadership team? And you'll be the, we, you know, I forget what we called him, but we gave him a title and, and we gave him a little, you know, help. And, and what he did was he started what he called Nicodemus gatherings during the week, because for Mormon people to show up at a Christian church, um, well, it's a terrifying thing. They're, they've been told all kinds of stuff, and he wanted to create a space for them that was totally safe. So, you know, he, he looked at the story of Nicodemus who came to Jesus by night. You kind of see what's going on there. And Nicodemus didn't want all of his other peeps to know he was taking, you know, checking this guy out. Well, he created that space for people to come. And so what became common was people would go to those Nicodemus meetings for like six months to a year before they ever showed up to our public worship gatherings. And, and, and it was a place where they could ask any question. They, they, it was safe to ask questions. It was safe to have doubt in either direction. It was safe to doubt the Mormon church. It was safe to doubt what Christianity was about. And that's the place that that uh, was created. And so we started to see just it became part of the habit of the church was to cultivate, facilitate those Nicodemus meetings. And that's a great example of a missionary adaptation uh, to to respond to a cultural reality uh, when it comes to helping people walk with Jesus. That's Jesus, um, Luke 10, person of peace. Uh, kind of yeah. around. He came to you rather than you come to him. I think right. we, we probably have a lot of people who have 
a foot in our church and a foot in some private identity group or some other group. And we, we're not smart enough to cultivate them. We're, we're trying to do everything programmatically rather than relationally. And, and Jesus gave us a pretty right. clear roadmap there. We just got to, I guess, return to the scripture a little bit better in, in what yeah. we're doing when we try to lay strategy. So I think uh, it really does come down to trusting the Holy Spirit. Like we really need to trust him and not our systems, and not our plans. But then as we learn to sort of dance with the spirit, we can put in place habits that go along with what the spirit is already doing in people's lives. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's exciting. If you enjoyed today's podcast, be sure to subscribe and check his blog at ralphmore.net.